Let's go, girls. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of She Does What Podcast. The conversation you're about to hear was with a woman I met a year ago now when I first took Fly Fishing 101 at Orvis, one of their retail locations here in Massachusetts. Since meeting Cynthia, we've stayed in touch through social media, and I've been able to watch her adventures from the flats on Cape Cod to fishing in Big Sky, Montana, all the way to fly fishing in Alberta, Canada. I'm so excited for you all to hear what Cynthia has to say. You'll understand the passion she has for fly fishing and sharing the sport with others just through her enthusiasm and the stories she shares. But before we jump into episode three, I want to thank Douglas Outdoors for sponsoring this podcast. From fly rods to conventional gear, the engineers at Douglas have really thought of it all by always keeping every style angler in mind when designing these rods. Check them out at douglasoutdoors.com or on Instagram. If you're a fly angler, check them out at Douglas Outdoors. And if you're more into conventional fishing, follow them on social at Douglas underscore fishing underscore rods. All right, now let's hear what Cynthia has to say about being fearless in fly fishing. Brenna, I haven't talked to you in a while. This is great. I know. It's been a while since we first met when I took Fly Fishing 101 at Orvis. Oh, you were the best. (laughs) It was so much fun. I'm so glad to hear your voice. I definitely want to get together in person and catch up soon. Oh, I more than more than happy you know you were so you really were memorable in that class you know I do like every I have to be honest I have a little soft spot in my heart for those people who come in and leave really believing that it is simple fun and accessible except you know what I say I always change that word accessible and just call it memorable yeah absolutely oh that means a lot thank you you're welcome Now, I have to thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. I'm really excited to chat with you. Um, And like I said, I mean, it's been almost a year since we first met. Um, I think it was, was it about March when you do, when you guys did the 101 classes? Uh, March, April, uh, maybe a little warmer. Yeah, yeah. probably like April, March, April, they start up. You know, for me, it's fishing 12 months a year, but um, to get new students involved and to just make it an introduction. We want it to be as pleasurable as it can. So <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> when you're going out on that, that gravel stream, you want to be as warm as you can. <laughs> oh, you remember that. That's yes. Yeah. Yes. The gravel stream. I've had people and uh, say, Hey, Cynthia, can you please give me the location for the gravel stream? <laughs> <laughs> the secret spot. <laughs> the secret spot. Right. I love it. And I do remember, um, and I've taken this with me, the few times that I have gone fly fishing since is uh, picking up the phone. Hello, it's for you. (laughs) I will always remember that. You know, Brenna, I'm not sure how much longer I can use that because everyone has an iPhone now. And the whole idea is that really brings everybody together. And I use it even now when I have these one-on-one instructional classes. People really remember that. And I do it all the time, even when I'm wherever I am. It just get back to the basics. Right. It makes it all that much easier. Right. Definitely. Now, before we talk about all the exciting things you're doing, because I know you have a lot going on right now, um, I want to hear about your experience at Orvis, uh, where we met, how that came to be, and really how you discovered your love for fly fishing. You know, uh, 
about when I was first introduced to fly fishing, it was through uh, the Swift River, which was just a great place to hike. And I looked out into the river and saw all these fish swimming around. And I thought, and then I saw all these people standing in the river. And that was maybe about 15, 15 years ago. And I thought, how the heck do you stand in the river and not get cold? <laughs> and uh, so it eventually led me into, you know, just reading up at everyone from Sims to L.L. Bean to you know, to Orvis and all these great outdoor retailers who were promoting waders. And I think it was just my, I wanted to walk in a river. I wrote an article about it. Someday I'll walk in a river. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it's all about how I was, when I first stepped into the river, I was scared that I might fall in the river. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, okay, you got to get over your fear. You need to step outside your comfort zone and step in that river. And here's some waders and here's a wading boot and here's a wading stick. And was taking those baby steps into it. I hired a guide and I got in the river and I caught my first fish. And, you know, it's funny. I, I talk about how we all have those uh, confidence flies in our fly boxes. And those are the flies that no matter what you, if nothing else works, you pull out your confidence. Fly. <laughs> I love that. And my confidence fly is still the fly that I caught my very first rainbow trout. No line. way. Yep. Yep. It was, uh, it's a recipe made by a guy named Al Troth, T-R-O-T-H. He's a wonderful man, passed away about seven years ago. He was born in Pennsylvania, moved to Montana. And Al is the recipe maker for the elk hair caddis. Wow. And that is uh, a triple threat fly. You can use it as a dry. You can use it as a streamer. You can use it. You can, you know, dead, uh, dead weight it. So it's still my favorite fly. But um, yeah, it's kind of sweet, you know. So that's. Uh, so anyhow, <laughs> after you catch your first fish, you not only remember that first moment, but you remember that uh, very first, um, that very first fly, and uh, it just made me want to do more and that's what I've been doing is more that's awesome and now going back to when you talk about stepping into the river and walking into the river and you talk about waiting and um having a waiting stick and all those things that you need how much has that changed since you started because I'm I mean I'm jumping into this sport that now I'm overwhelmed the amount of equipment you might need and the expenses and really mm -hmm. all the things that people say you need but Getting down to the basics, how did it really begin for you? What were the, kind of the main key items, I guess you could say, to be really equipped to get out and walk in the river? Brenna, that's a great question. And it has to deal with what are you going to be fishing for, right? right. Um, if I live in the Cape and I'm, I'm into stripers, um, or am I going to Western Mass or, or hanging out in my home waters morning stocked, stocked ponds? The basics you, you need is that rod reel line. And I always say someday, you know, maybe I'll, if I buy a set of clubs like Tiger Woods, will I hit the ball that is like Tiger Woods? <laughs> right. That's a good, that's a good analogy. <laughs> so initially when you start off, I like to always encourage my students to just get a rod in your hand. Don't even worry about it. Don't worry about the accuracy. Don't worry about the distance. Don't worry about uh, the bend. 
um, whether it's a mid flex or tip flex, just get a comfortable rod in your hand and be comfortable because sometimes the fish are right there five feet in front of you. They're not all at the end of a bomber cast. Um, I also, you, and I apologize if I repeat myself, <laughs> Brenda, because you took my class. You know, sometimes I, I liken it to you can make brownies out of a box at Wegmans, or you can make brownies by traveling to France and getting a class at the, uh, the Ritz School. Oh, yeah. Either way, they're brownies. So fishing, fly fishing, is an opportunity for learning and for education. You take it as far as you want it. Every day, it's, it's more learning. Or it can be the Christmas card picture, and it can end. It just depends how much you want to learn and how much you want to dive in. Like Al Troth, for example. Yeah. Do you know how many people probably know he's the recipe maker for the <laughs> out here? <laughs> I, you know, I, but I'm one of those people. I, I sort of really like the history behind flies. So that's, the, um, that's sort of the, the route that it took me. So rod reel line, wading stick if you're not sure about your footing, right. uh, wading boots and waders, if you are planning on fishing in um, cold weather, if you think you're going to be just a warm weather fisherman, you can get by with um, standing on the dock and or just uh, wet waiting. Okay, so basically, you really, I mean, it, it really depends on the season that you're going for, I guess you could say, exactly. plus the species. Exactly. Or you can also be someone, um, and I am definitely in that group of people who just want to be <laughs> rowed by a guide uh, who wants to put you in their boat and row you around. You know, some, then you need nothing. You need just some uh, non-scud mocking boots and um, you know, let your guy float you down the river or let your guide cruise you around Cape Cod. Yeah, that would, that would be sweet. <laughs> yeah, it is. It gets expensive. So walking in the river uh, gives you a lot more independence. Absolutely, I'm <laughs> sure. Now, that brings me to, it makes me think about your trip that you recently had, uh, I believe in the fall, to Montana. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, well, tell me a little bit about that, because you were, was that, that was on a boat down a river, is that correct? Yeah, I was on, the, uh, I was definitely, I was on three different rivers in Montana, and, and also that tail end of that trip, I ended up on the Bow River up in Calgary, Alberta. Wow. And, um I don't know where to start. I mean, <laughs> it was uh, definitely the Bow River was probably the, uh, they're, uh, Josh is going to love me for this, but it's probably <laughs> the best, one of the best trips I've been on. Although I can't say the best because, oh, Belize is pretty spectacular. <laughs> but the Bow was, um, in, what makes are these river trips, uh, trips to different rivers around the country and around in different places? What makes them each unique? Definitely the fish species that you're casting to, the guides that you're meeting, the other anglers you interact with, and the, the, the normalizing. And I know that's kind of, maybe that's weird to say, but it, fly fishing to me has normalized my relationships with many different people in many different cultures in many different places. Because at the end of the day, the minute we get our rods, reels, lines in hand with that all you know, that all worried answer of what fly to use, we start just getting into our zone of let's cast our rods and try to catch these fish. And 
everybody gets on the same page. So it's kind of, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, Montana was big sky and I loved it. <laughs> loved it. I loved getting off the plane and seeing more, as many women as men with fly rod tubes. In their That's hands. awesome. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> now going back to when you really were getting into fly fishing, you got your first fish hooked, you reeled them in, you, you cherish that moment. Yeah. What was that like when you kind of the switch flipped, I guess you could say in your head mm-hmm. where you were like, I want to do something with this. I want to do more with this than just a, a hobby on the weekends. Brenna, it was such a, a, an achievement, you know, something I had never done before. And I was checking off so many items in the list. And to feel, to, I've always been engaged with nature. I know that, mm-hmm. you know, that's just something I've always liked is to be the out, in the outdoors. Right. And the thing I remember along with, you know, catching fish that day was the fact that I was outside that day from nine in the morning until three. And I never looked at my watch. So to be outside all day with a granola bar and a bottle of water and maybe some, you know, mixed nuts in your bag, <laughs> that was that was really great. I, I really liked that idea of my, um, of a six hour day. Um, feeling the fish, I had up until that point, I had never felt a live fish in my hands um because you don't if you unless you're fly fishing the whole idea of catching and releasing a fish that you can comfortably hold in your hands or uncomfortably for the lucky guys (laughs) the lucky men and women out there although i've had a few uh, i've had a few uncomfortable moments but you feel that you're you're um you hold that fish in a very proper way close to the water you don't want to harm that 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 fish, and then you release it and you see it leaving. And you know that you've just had that, you just touched on that moment with this beautiful fish. Right. You're part of the journey that they are now continuing. Exactly. And fly fishing was a sport that made me realize that's possible. Now, I don't know if that that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a unique perspective and such an interesting take on the appreciation of the sport and not just going out to catch fish one after the other. It's really an appreciation for going into their habitat. And I think that's something that all men and women who love the outdoors have in common is that you are appreciating um, stepping into their home um, and just being one of them, I guess you could say with that. And like I said, just being part of their journey and, um, touching that fish and having that moment. I think that's awesome that you, you see it in that way. I, yeah. And I'm so happy that you mentioned that because you said the word that really, you know, I've been a big proponent of these days, which is we're in their home, you know? And so conservation is thing too, that has become a big part of what I'm focusing on now in my new, you know, my new venture. I just, because I'm in there. Right. We, we want to walk in a river and leave it better than how we found it. Not worse. Right. Absolutely. And so we have to care for, you know, we have to, you know, be ambassadors or be proponents of good behavior. Of, you know, it's just like what we teach our kids when they go to kindergarten, how to play nice in the sandbox. Um, and we can't let that, you know, that drive that sometimes we, you know, we go at it um, hurt 
the environment or, or, or cause any disruption to, you know, what's going on naturally uh, in these rivers, lakes, ponds, estuaries, marshes. Now that you mention it, I want to dive right into fearless fly fishing because it encompasses like really everything that I hope this podcast stands for to me and to our listeners, just being Mm -hmm. fearless in the outdoors, but also respecting it and appreciating it. Tell me a bit about the background and what led you to creating your guide service. Well, I've always enjoyed being in the outdoors and wanted to take my passion for the sport into a startup business uh, where I would offer guiding and education and events and classes and try to continue to be a leader and a personality in the industry for fly fishing. That's really it. The whole idea of being fearless. I I think when you're fearless, you have no limits. And before I was a fly fisherman, I had limits. I didn't know I could walk in a river. (laughs) That was the limit. You know, I mean, and as soon as I stepped outside of my comfort zone, Brenna, and as soon as I started to you know, let those fears go away, I I realized I could do more. And so, so many students that I've had, so many people who have reached out to me for fly fishing, it it comes down to uh, the questions are always the same. What, what fly, how should I dress? Mm -hmm. What fly should I use? Where are the fish? And it's funny, I just wrote an article about this uh, it's called the fears of fly fishing, right? These are my first, <laughs> my first three fears. This is my last article I wrote. And, uh, and I said, what are the three fears? Here are my first three, because I have a hundred fears, but those first three fears, everybody has them all the time. The first one is no matter what trip or event I'm going on, people ask, what do I wear? What do I wear under my weight? Right. And then the question is, uh, you know, what, what fly do we use? If you go into a local fly shop, you're going to see hundreds. Oh, hundreds. no, right. It's, <laughs> I get so intimidated. I act like I go in there and, oh, yeah, I'll take this one. This one looks like something that Cynthia showed me. <laughs> it's, re- it's very intimidating for someone who has no idea. So we break that down. I you know, try to break that down um, for and 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 or uh, embellish it and love right. it, you know. So it, again, you can make it as as big of a big of a bread box as you want it. Uh, and then you know, where are the fish? Where do I make that cast to? <laughs> I got and I just chuckle about it because it's <laughs> it's always there. You know, those are all the same three questions all the time, um, and they're all very answerable and very doable. And sometimes just. Being that person who can, you know, embrace and respect those questions and then uh, offer some guidance or solutions to those questions. That's what led me to fearless fly fishing was being able, again, to go back to the whole idea of being an educator, uh, being somebody who's a leader in the sport, hopefully with the intentions of preserving the waters and preserving, you know, being a good ambassador for conservation. Absolutely. I mean, that's, and part of me too is a little bit, um, you know, my early days, I had a, my early days in my career, I was working down in New York city and there's a statue of this girl. It's, she's called the fearless girl. I don't know if you, you know it, but the fearless girl 
there's a bronze statue that has her hands on her hips in a real sassy way and she's staring at the bull yes she has pigtails there you go yeah she's the fearless girl i think she has pigtails or a ponytail yep yeah so i worked down in uh, new york city i worked in uh, the wall street area in the 80s and there weren't a lot of fearless girl wasn't around then there weren't weren't a lot of girls around there either but now there are and so that whole attitude of being fearless and and sort of being comfortable working outside your comfort zone and now exploring abilities outside of my comfort zone that's again sort of another just check the box and fearless just about right and it's funny i've uh really enjoyed i have some fearless women we have no fear <laughs> yeah i love <laughs> it today and one of your posts on social media is how we connected again because i don't know it was the word you had the word fearless in one of your descriptions i was like hey that is yeah i, <laughs> I support that completely yeah. thank you i think it was just when i initially um had switched my podcast so i i don't know if you know it was originally called angler's account about talking just to men and women who fish strictly on Cape Cod, Martha's Vineyard, Nantucket, but mm-hmm. very fishy waters. Yes, exactly. Places I grew up, grew up on Cape Cod, things that I was mm-hmm. genuinely interested in, but not everybody around the world, believe it or not, is interested about fishing on Cape Cod. <laughs> so I, I kind of figured, you know, there's so many more people to have these conversations with and the more mm-hmm the more I'm using social media in a positive way, I'm having these conversations with women like you and I want to, I'm learning from you and I'm learning from them and I want to share those conversations. So I jumping into, she does what kind of like just mind blown at all the fearlessness that these women encompass and just share fearlessly really on social media and not really caring about any backlash and having to deal with it and having that be a teachable moment. So I think just creating this community is so important. I think you're doing that um, for both men and women and just really showing that anyone can, anyone can fly fish. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female or any, anyone right. can do it. You're absolutely right. I, and I love that you took it from Angler's account to She Does What. And I, by the way, props to dad. That was an awesome first oh, interview. <laughs> he was so <laughs> nervous. My dad is the most enthusiastic colorful man and he was like I sound so monotone and he kind of does <laughs> tell him I'm right there with him I'm like oh geez I'm a little nervous no I know I get nervous every time I chat with people but it's just fun it's something fun I like to do and just yeah chat with people that you've met before or you've just met on social media it's it's a cool outlet to just have these conversations and share them um, yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, one thing you said, too, is it's men and women. I sometimes um, I definitely have ladies only events and I love my fearless women. Yeah. Uh, they're they're great. Love that you do. And that. then I have I have my co-ed events. Um, and I just I, I see so to me, it's I haven't quite grabbed the big division between men and women fly fishermen at the end of the day. It's the same questions, you know, what's the fly? Right. What am I going to wear? Where do I put the cast? There is something really nice though about bonding with, I do this one event every year. It's called Stripers on the Flats and it's women only. And now this year I'm, I've got two sessions. It's all women and we go on the flats of Cape Cod chasing stripers. 
it is so much fun to see female anglers together in a pack. We're a pack of us. Yeah, I would love to do that. Is that down in Brewster? Yeah, actually, yeah, no. Uh, this year we're doing it in a location that I I will share with you a little bit later. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I love the suspense. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely. We have uh, awesome. the first session is uh, booked, but the second session, you, I'll let you, you can just jump in on. Oh, awesome. It. Yeah, we should talk. Yeah, you'll, uh, it's pretty sweet. It's so much fun. Yeah, let's chat about it. That we do great. it early in the season, so we don't have to worry about parking. That's always the Oh, yeah. But there's a lot of other, I do some ladies-only events, um, but the men and the co-ed events, I, I don't even call them co-ed. I just, I only had to focus on it being ladies only because I started, so many women were reaching out to say, do you have ladies only events? I said, sure, let's throw this event on as ladies only. Right. And then that became, you know, really, um, it becomes very approachable because if you don't know how to step into a sport sometimes, you know, I always find, I try to control those denominators that I can control. Right. You know, you can't control the weather, can't control if the fish are hungry or not, uh, but you can control your snacks, uh, <laughs> you know, the time that you're going to meet, uh, the parking. I mean, there's all these, whatever you can control, uh, you make that as, um, you, you know, really nail that down. Yeah, uh, definitely. So it becomes a little bit easier. Now we're touching the surface of it, but just touching on the topic of being a female angler, have you ever experienced like any judgment when turning this into a profession or any judgment really of being a female fly fisherman? Yeah. um, You know, I, I feel like I'm the most naive person in the room because my honest answer is no, I haven't. I, I have not seen that it hasn't if I saw it it didn't deter me right, it hasn't affected you um, or impacted you greatly no not at all I think probably Brenna you know um I worked like I said I had a career before I you know got introduced to fly fishing that was a very male dominated career and I loved that because I learned so much from the people who were in front of me that had that knowledge. Right. I didn't see them as men. I didn't see them as women. I just saw the people in front of me who had that knowledge. Um, so then I, I had no agenda going into the sport. And just like I had no agenda going into my first career. So I was, I have a saying that I expect nothing and I appreciate everything. That's great. And that opened up the doors. Thank you. That opened up the doors to me to some of the best men and women out there who shared their knowledge and who gave me their confidence and who gave me their applause when I did the smallest achievements. And that has made me, I think, the kind of person I am today that I extend that now to everybody I'm in contact with in the sport. The smallest achievement, I am, you know, giving you big props. But if it's a big achievement you want, I am right there with you <laughs> because I'm telling you, there's nothing like a tarpon on the fly. Oh, that is like my, <laughs> that is my dream. I think that's almost any, any angler's dream is to get a tarpon and just see them come out of the water. Okay. One, two, and three. 
And being a Cape Cod girl, I got one, two, and three, the three tarpon that I caught on the fly, oh. all on a, are you ready for this? My confidence fly that I brought with me that time uh, down to Belize was a uh, deceiver. And I remember bringing all these other fancy flies, you know, all the fancy, brought them all, brought them all. <laughs> and my uh, wonderful Belizean guide, he looked at my fly box that morning and he uh, was looking at this, this toad, that toad, this toad. And he said, what's this one? I said, oh, I'm sorry. That's my um, deceiver. And that's my lucky fly from Cape Cod. He goes, we'll use that one. Oh. And, I thought, we will. <laughs> and that fly caught three tarpon. Wow. I'm not kidding. Yeah, it was crazy. It makes sense. You know, tarpon have huge eyes and they, they big gaping mouths. Right. And they, they're looking up and they're just like inhaling and taking down. And the deceiver's got that weightless bounty to it, you know? Yeah. And it just uh, was the right presentation and we had the right number of tarpon. And um, I remember taking a picture. It's funny, I have a little fly box. I call it my, um, my tarpon box. <laughs> and I have that it's still attached to the leader, which is all chewed up. But um, I have that in the box. So That is awesome. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Let me know when you're ready for it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. You can totally, totally do it. And then we go for the permit. And then we go for the bonefish. And then you have your grand slam. Yeah. That's awesome. It is the best. I mean, I'm not kidding oh, you. And just being down there. I mean, you talk about traveling to Montana, Belize. Where's... What's the, do you have a favorite place that you've been to fly fishing? Um, or are they all just so unique? The favorite would have to be home waters yeah. because there's something about seeing my, um, my guys out in Western Mass. I love them. They're, they're um, everything on the Deerfield River, on the uh, River X, which you can't mention, the Farmington River, the Connecticut River. Um, and then Cape Cod for stripers. I mean, when I'm in those home waters, I'll fish by myself, but I always see my, I always see people I know. And there's something really, fishing at its, at its best is uh, a soul sport, meaning you're, you're on your own. (laughs) There aren't two people holding the rod. And I I like that. And I do really enjoy that part of it. But I, I like the, uh, I just like looking over my shoulder every now and then knowing that, uh, you know, there's a, a friendly face that I remembered from, you know, this then and where. Um, so the home waters are always near and dear to my heart. I think the uh, bull trout on the mountain streams up in um, Canada are pretty spectacular, just because, as I said once, it was the closest I ever got to Tom Brady because I was fishing in front of goats. <laughs> I actually remember seeing that photo. That was too funny. And were they wild? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, as wild as... No, Big farm. I've never. I don't know. It was the first goat side. Wow. Pack of goats I'd ever fished in front of. But I'm pretty sure they they're pretty. They're much more interested in the salt on the rocks. Oh yeah, that's a good near point. the um yeah than they were interested in me. Oh, that's but, so funny. Um, there were tons of fish in the front, and I was lucky enough to have somebody who snapped that picture, and it's still one of my most favorite. That goes back to the um that Bow River, which you know we. Out here in the east, we we celebrate those big lonkers that we catch every now and then. And almost every fish on the bow, they call it the land of the giants, and I understand why. 
they were just huge fish wow. all the time. <laughs> it was something really fun. And the weather was great. Yeah, you know, you, you get all those variables. They, everything clicked in. The weather was good. The, you know, the fishing was awesome. The lunch was fantastic. <laughs> Did you guys eat any of your own, any, eat any of your catches for lunch? You're out there? Uh, no, we didn't. But one of my anglers these days, she is a chef. And she is from Boston. She runs her own cooking school. Oh, cool. And she comes striper fishing with me, Brenna. And I can tell you, she brings her fillet now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> if you keep her, if it's 28 plus, she is. She just breaks that bad boy down. And That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So we've had a couple of, um, I have another chef uh, in uh, Worcester, but um Nothing, nothing yet that's kicked into <laughs> him. Definitely, uh, she has had, uh, I've seen her work her magic with that fillet knife, and that was pretty spectacular. That's pretty cool. <laughs> now, speaking of home waters and that being your favorite, I recently saw that you did become um, a program coordinator for Massachusetts yes. Casting for Recovery. Thank you. That's so yeah. exciting. Thank you. So, yeah, I'm very proud of that. What is that going to entail? I am going to be coordinating the opportunity for this group of 24 uh, women who are surviving survivors um, from breast cancer. It's a national organization that was started about 20 years ago, and we will be hosting them um, at a retreat for fly fishing. Uh, it will be everything from focusing on catching and releasing and taking these women who've never had in a, never had a rod in their hand before or are experienced depending on you know depending on their level um, and putting them on putting them in an environment in a retreat environment that will be from uh, you know uh, three days two nights and just giving them a chance to socialize um, learn a new skill and kind of get away from maybe the situation that they've been waking up to every day of their sure. life for the last, you know, five, 10, 15 years and, and put them in a different moment of their life where they can bond and socialize and, and uh, learn uh, a new skill set, and then just take that passion and let that fill the void at night. Sometimes when you're waking up thinking, wow, you know, look what I got to deal with, yeah, you right. know, so I am, uh, yeah, I'm very excited about that. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm doing some of that this weekend. I'm going out to, uh, we'll be running the retreat in Western Mass. I'll be going out to Western Mass and working with some of the, um, some of the people who will be, uh, will be interacting with everything from, you know, it's everything from caterers to lodge owners to fly fishing instructors um, to fundraising. So. It's, uh, it's a big task, but I'm up for it. Yeah, that's if awesome. Can, if anyone can do it, I can Absolutely. do it. <laughs> Coming back to the fearless fly fishing, I mean, it's really, it all ties in. I think you really hit the nail on the head when you, when you titled that your service, and it really shows who you are all the way around. Oh, so. Thank you very much. I'm also, um, I just got to throw out props to one more spot, and that is the United States Youth Fly Fishing Clinic. It's our oh, first great. year supporting real girls, R-E-E-L, real girls. Oh, I love and it. They are, yeah, and it's going to be a clinic supporting young girls 
between the ages of, I think it's 12, it's a cutoff, 12 to 18, um, as an introduction to fly fishing, which would hopefully promote them into this arena, which has typically been um, for young boys, but now we're introducing it to young girls. That's so amazing. I'm, really, I'm excited. I'm a part of the uh, instructor team for that. So it's going to be a great, 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 great opportunity. That, Early June. That's yeah. awesome. Where can people sign up for that? Is that already um, filled up or where can people get involved? No, they can reach out to the United, it's called the U, uh, United States Youth Fly Fishing Team. There's a home page for it. Um, usyfft.com or just google that and they can get right into it and it's a it's a great great opportunity for like i said uh young women in a age that age group to get introduced to the sport and hopefully let it carry them through to different types of um different types of you know aspects of the sport that's so. that's wonderful I've never uh, now I'm thinking of it I really maybe I just haven't dug that deep into it but I've never heard of any fly fishing clinics or classes for young girls young women yeah yeah I know I'm really excited about it really um it's you know it's always been for young boys which we love we love uh, i i mean i'm a mom of two young beautiful boys young men these days <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the the clinic itself is uh, real girls it's down in um just outside of spruce creek in a place called bald eagle pennsylvania wow, that's awesome now do your boys fish do they fly fish or any yeah absolutely <laughs> of course they- my husband's from Wisconsin, so my boys and I and my husband, we've always been on the lakes in Wisconsin. Um, catching and releasing isn't a big part of it, I can tell you. It's catching walleye and eating walleye. Wow, yeah. I can imagine <laughs> out there. Yeah, but my, you know, that was partly uh, sort of, I think, part of the passion, too. We started this conversation, Brenna, talking about why I got into the sport, yeah. and I think, 10 years ago the boys were six and four and I I just said yeah once I had a rod in my hand I said yeah I I think my sons could learn this Mm -hmm. but I better figure it out to the max so that I can be a good teacher for them we've done this thing the last few years last four or five years we call it three rivers in three days and every February vacation I take them on three rivers in three days that is so much fun for the last four years, it's been three rivers in three days. So a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's an amazing tradition that he will be able to pass on, that both your sons will be able to pass on with their families and just to do yeah. that in their February vacations moving forward. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, it is. As a striper on the flats, you better reach out to me because I'm going to Yes, take- <laughs> absolutely. I would absolutely love to do that. That sounds so much fun. That's one thing. I, I Next to Tarpon, I think the mo- more realistic um vision for me right now is to just go home and go down and get a striper on the fly because the i'm sure that would be a fun battle i know it's fun um just surf casting battling it on the fly i'm sure it would be just as fun if not even more fun yeah it's so doable we i have some early season you know early season spots at, well, i'm talking to you you're the daughter of the dad who knows everything. <laughs> yeah. he knows you know everyone you. too down there he will come home yeah. after a night of fishing and just like you said earlier just when you're 
fishing in your home waters and you look over, yeah. you know somebody or you're sparking yeah. that conversation through fishing and it's yeah. awesome. It's really such a unique yeah. outlet, I guess you could say. Yeah. I'm going fishing this Saturday um, for the day and it's been a lot of fun. Today, actually, I did a dry run. I, I have a new quarter zip shirt that uh, is really warm and I wanted to make sure I could move so I actually put it on, went for a hike in the woods snowy winter woods around my neighborhood and said okay let me make sure I'm warm in this and <laughs> it's a little bit of that prep work but uh I'm so looking forward and then part of it is because I know I'll see other people on the river that are also doing some of this winter um winter fly fishing which is you know a lot of fun and you just have to be, then we get down to what are you going to wear right we're going to use and where are we going to put it <laughs> <laughs> I love it that's awesome and yeah I never thought about that is testing your gear making sure it's oh. going to keep you warm because once you're in the water it's you're either right. you're stuck in there you're dedicated to a day of fishing or yeah you're going to freeze your buns off tell your dad I already checked the lights the uh, batteries in my headlight for my nighttime striper fishing. oh yeah he'll appreciate that he's got yeah. a few <laughs> <laughs> well, Cynthia, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It really was so nice chatting with you and catching up. And I definitely want to get together soon, whether it be for coffee or getting down yeah. in the flats. I'm in. I'm in for all that for you, Brenna. Whatever I can do to support you, I congratulate you. It's been a pleasure to meet so many nice women through your podcast. And your last few have just been hitting the mark. So, Oh, well, thank you. Now, where can people find you? Where can they find Fearless Fly Fishing? Where can they follow your journey? They can follow me on Fearless Fly Fishing. Um, Google it. I'm there. I'm on Instagram as Fearless Fly Fishing. And I'm also on Facebook as Fearless Fly Fishing. Awesome. We'll get the word out there. I hope we can get more people to join you because I definitely will. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. That would be a, such a pleasure. Anybody I can introduce to the sport is uh, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cynthia. I hope to talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. Bye, Brenna. Bye. Man, I feel like a woman.